Joining us now is Alan Watt. He's a long-term researcher into the causative forces behind major changes in historical development. His background is something of a Renaissance man with background in three procession professions, various books, religions, philosophy, poetry, and mainly published under pseudonyms. And he's been heavily involved in the music industry and a lot more. Well, overall, Alan's just really one of the most well-researched guys I've ever spoken to in my five years here. And I know he can bring us a lot of perspective on various issues. His website is CuttingThroughTheMatrix.com, and I know there's quite a bit he could get into. Are you there now, Alan? Yes. Hello? Yeah, your volume is very low my end here. Could you? Alan, can you hear me? Yeah, just about. You're very, very low. Okay, guys, if you could turn up his volume uh, while we work on the technical issues. But uh, maybe you could tell us right now what are the most important things you see going on currently, Alan. Well, it's planned chaos. Um, you've got a world that's supposed to merge into one uh, unifying force and under a government. We keep forgetting that because we, we, get, we get stuck on the chaos they introduce on the way. And we, we talk about the chaos here, there, everywhere across the world. It's in Greece, it's here, it's there. So uh, I always try to keep my sights on their goal, which, of course, is a unified Europe, which they have. The crisis in Europe are simply meant to bond them even further into giving up all sovereignty and bring themselves under one banking system, one bank for the whole of Europe. Uh, North America is going through the same chaos because we've, we're the second continent actually the whole of the Americas, uh, to, to be integrated. They've just had a meeting, by the way, <laughs> and they've kept that awfully quiet. And uh, basically they, they, they discussed the borders, that's all they're telling us, and they've given all access uh, or d- access to all Canadians' data to uh, the special uh, security services within the United States. We're, we're being integrated every every month, basically, into the next step of the amalgamation. They're trying to do the same with with the Far East, Australia, New Zealand, China, uh, Japan. All these countries come under the third block. And uh, this is really what it's all about. So Carol Quigley talked about this. He said eventually um, it all comes under the Bank of International Settlements with the IMF running the countries or the blocks or regions. And, of course, a, a unified uh, government for the world, that's supposed to come out of it all eventually. At the moment, they have to get a, a single government like Europe set up in, for the Americas. And this is also part of the chaos we're going through now. Oh, we can't survive on our own. Look at the money situation. We need a, a unified bank. And that came out in the 80s during the free trade negotiations that they actually talked about putting a central bank for the whole of the Americas in uh, Montreal. <laughs> wow. Can you tell us what's going on right now in Europe with the bailouts and all the stuff happening with Greece and, and the U.S. Western role in funding it? Well, we'll get to that well, after the break. A, We're coming two up alliances music there right now. Going on. Stay with us. Yeah. We have Alan Watt and all of his insights and more coming up. Infowars.com. Stay with us. Central Texas Command Center, deep behind enemy lines, the information war continues. It's Alex Jones and the GCN Radio Network.
We are back. This is the Alex Jones Show. It's Monday, September 19th. I'm Aaron Dykes sitting in. And on the line with us is Alan Watt of CuttingThroughTheMatrix.com. Alan, uh, the question I was trying to put to you before the break is, what's happening now with Germany and France trying to create a new bank over Europe, all to do the, this ill-advised Greek bailout? And what will the Western countries' role be in paying for that? Well, we already have a treaty. I don't know if people realize that Canada and the U.S. made a treaty with the EU and uh, to help with the bailouts should they come. We're actually doing it already anyway. Uh, that was separate from the NAFTA deal and the European deal, and so we're all in it together. That's the whole idea of this chaos, this planned and well-managed chaos, is to get everyone to their knees until the public say, well, nothing's working, uh, please make it better, and they come forward with their, with their new idea, which is an old idea, very old. They'll, they'll dust off the old um, the parchments they've all signed and got ready, and they'll present to the public the, the, the plan that was set up even when they created the IMF, the International Monetary Fund. Remember, Bretton Woods was part one, and the, the founder of it said there'll be a part two uh, after he's dead, which is about now. And um, we're going through part two now. The idea is that a central bank must be set up for each one of these amalgamated, uh, basically, continents, uh, North America, uh, Europe, and one for the Far East as well. They'll have subsidiary banks, of course, for the, they won't call them national governments anymore, but the partners within the region. And, uh, and this is simply part two Bretton Woods we're going into with the central bank. And again, Quigley talked about that from the Council on Foreign Relations, uh, from their own history records. That was the whole intention for a hundred years was to set up, um, a supreme bank for the planet and a central bank for each one of the amalgamated continents, basically. Right. Well, amalgamation would be the key word, consolidation. We know the IMF with the third world, it's been so much more about conditionalities than anything to do with the debt. Uh, That's just sort of the inciting incident to get the country on the line, and then the hook is is total takeover, and now that's happening in Europe, no? Yeah. Well, the whole idea of the IMF uh, is not to help third world countries. never was. It was simply to start off with foreign aid. That was the con with foreign aid. And you give them foreign aid, you give them loans, you get them into trouble, they can't pay them back. And you go in and you grab all of the resources. That was the plan of the banks. And we must remember uh, that even Rockefeller said the same thing, uh, that we can't depend on national governments anymore. He said it's far better that an intelligent force, intelligentsia, and bankers who are used to dealing with economies uh, run the world uh, rather than leave it to the, the, the national interest groups to, to steer it the way they want to go and into chaos and wars. That was his, in, his use for it. But, of course, it's a very, it was even older than him, this plan, and we're going through it now. And they've already announced in the IMF in Europe that they want the right, in fact, they've taken the right of some countries to start to do all of their financing for them. That's reading their books, doing their books, not leaving it to their own governments to do so. The IMF wants power to be the big chief, basically, who will do every member's books. Uh, That's all of your economy uh, and uh, what goes to welfare, what goes to social security, health care, all of those things. It wants the sole right to do all that and do away with that part of your government back home. And when are we going to openly see the IMF on the United States, preying on our own country here and on Canada and the rest of the West? 
I don't think a bit too long now because they're not fools at the top. We think it's all about greed, but it's not. It's that's a big part of it because they're allowed to reward themselves very well at the top. And um, they planned, of course, the bank crash. You can't take the reins of observation off of banks and let them go to it without them uh, just simply ripping the, the whole continent off, which they did uh, with their, their mortgage crisis, etc. But uh, they, they, they plan to bring it down. You, you've got to, to get big changes happening. You've got to create chaos. And financial chaos is the easiest and the, the most powerful way to do it. Uh, and then that's when the public knows. They say, everything's broken. It's not working. Please help us. So we turn around to the government, the ones who are abusing us, and ask them to make it better. And they come out with their plans. That's exactly what they're doing right now. And as I say, most of it, unfortunately, in America is kept fairly quiet from the mainstream media because the media barns, that's their job, is to control all information to the public. Nothing about informing us about truth or anything. It's about media, it's about really factual retention to themselves. But uh, they've had that big meeting, as I say, um, and, and another two or three to go. And by 2012, they want the Americans to be amalgamated. Uh, we've watched them since 2005 openly a meeting together, two presidents uh, and, a, and a prime minister from Mexico, U.S. and uh, Canada, signing agreements. They said that five to do, that was 2010, five major ones. And because there was such a backlash amongst those in the know, especially in Canada, and protests, they kept it quiet from then on, except for little bits in the paper. But uh, they've just had another meeting. Uh, they go down separately now into Latin America and sign, sign these charters separately instead of going down uh, as the three amigos that, that they used to do and they sign the charters and they're talking about amalgamations, amalgamations and sharing our economies. That's, that's also sharing your, your uh, taxation, tax base basically. All imports, exports. We're already doing that under the last big deal they signed with US and Canada. We're sharing a lot of tariffs for imports and exports. Um, people in the federal government in Canada, bureaucrats can actually apply for jobs in similar positions in U- the U.S. Uh, federal government and vice versa. It's been like that for a few years. We are integrating, and all of this chaos is meant to bring it on e- even more smoothly, setting it up for a, a smooth transfer. And, and there's no real shock once we, we're totally amalgamated. It's all working already, and that's the idea of, of crisis after crisis. To the public, remember, it's all perception management. It must sound uh, like a a logical, if unfortunate, thing to do is to give up all sovereignty and amalgamate into one giant continental system. Well, controlling chaos, I could see, is your key word today, and it's very appropriate. Uh, Just on Friday, we had Mayor Bloomberg predicting that there's going to be riots and economic rebellion if they don't pass the new phony jobs bill. Uh, yeah, just more perception, as you say. Uh, of course, as you know, I know you covered heavily at the time, they've been planning for economic riots for years since at least 2007 openly in the public documents. Uh, the Army War College is written uh, for people to get ready to control these economic riots, and now it's here. Uh, it, do you see the NFL pat-down measures uh, bringing TSA-style security to the bus and train and shopping centers as part of that same preparing for the economic collapse, or is that another part of the police state? It's part of that for sure, but it's also part of this terrorism nonsense is here with us forever now. This is permanent state, and they're simply training the public uh, to adapt, and they will adapt very quickly uh, to the new system of total security, total observation, 
uh, no, no bodily rights even to go uh, unmolested anywhere. Uh, even into eventually into a supermarket, you probably have a, a special card with the active chip, and if you don't have it with you, alarms go off, and the, the, the security grabs you and takes you off. That's all that's slated to come down. Um, we forget it's long before 2001 they were talking, they were planning the amalgamation of of America with Canada, Mexico. They've got Chile and a few other countries, Brazil into it. There's quite a few countries actually that brought into the NAFTA agreement quietly, and. Um, the, in Canada, in about 1998, they passed an, an omnibus anti-terror bill. Nothing was happening in 1998 in Canada. And Alan Rock, uh, the federal government, uh, rammed it through himself, basically. Uh, and he, then he went off to work at the United Nations. And even uh, the journalists in Canada were saying, well, what's, what's this? this? is a total martial law situation. Um, what's happening? Nothing, no reason was given to the public, and they went back to sleep as always because they didn't see it being put into effect immediately. You've got to remember too, inside the U.S., uh, they knew there was coming chaos even back in the, in the 80s and 90s. They've been creating special forces within the U.S. with the police working with troops abroad, getting training uh, back in the 90s. Uh, this, this is no – actually, 2001 was just the kickoff of the next part of the plan. They'd already planned it and were implementing it long before that. Right. But specifically, uh, what do you have to say now, only three years later, really four years later, on the revolution flash mobs and brain chips part of, of revealing mm-hmm. the plan to come of a revolutionary population, particularly in the Middle East, mm-hmm. the East State, and the, and the Western countries. Well, again, th- that's why they were creating this big super internal army uh, since the 80s and 90s, the multi-jurisdictional task forces, they call them up here in Canada. Uh, they've even shown us them practice, the police practicing kicking doors in across the Middle East with the, the troops to, so they can come back here and do the same thing one day. So obviously, since they're going to use economics and inflation, unemployment, poverty to bring in this system, hyperinflation, uh, they, they, they expect to riots. They don't make a move without figuring out every possible reaction from every segment of society and they plan for that before they even make the move. So that there's nothing happening that's not supposed to happen according to those at the top. So they're prepared to deal with mass riots, which they want actually, and the terrorism will, will gradually um, be controlling riots, and, and the people again will, will adapt into that's really what the, this massive security system is for. Eventually, over the years, they'll adapt into that and forget all about the terrorists. Uh, this is a, a, a very old technique, and this is a very old uh, bunch of rulers we're really living under, with archives of how to control whole nations, populations, and so on. Yeah. Wow, that's just incredible. Alan, we're coming up on a break now, but we have plenty of more time ahead of us. Stay with us. I'm Aaron Dyke, sitting in for Alex Jones. Short segment now, but we've got a long segment coming up with Alan Watt, uh, one of the preeminent researchers on the world state they're bringing into play and really how they're going to consolidate all these regions under you know, one or just a few banks and under a global sort of system. So, Alan, I'd like to bring up how fast is this coming down? How fast is it going to be the kind of widespread depression that perception alone won't be able to mask? And what will they do with the so-called revolutionary masses, whether they've identified the right problem or not? Mm -hmm. Well, they already have their plans to deal with uh, the the revolutionary masses. 
they know who everyone is, and of course the internet's fantastic for that because they got their pulse on the public all the time. Uh, that, there's no privacy at all. It's all for data collection, and uh, so they'll be dealt with quite easily. Uh, they can come in and take them out very quickly. In fact, if that's the, if that's necessary or the deem it necessary, and uh, uh, that you already have the internal. Uh, armies set up. I mean, police are not police anymore. They haven't been police for a long time. Uh, they're really military guys. Uh, most of the recruits for the last oh, 15, maybe even 20 years are from the military. And uh, they've had all the experience in rounding up people and putting them in camps, etc. That would be done very, very quickly. We saw that done, in fact, during one of the Olympic uh, Games, I think it was, in the States. And they went out and within a, a couple of hours had everyone rounded up that was on a list. Hundreds and hundreds of people. So it's, it's quite easy to do that, uh, the practice for, for an awful long time. So uh, uh, they're not worried about that at all. In fact, I think they want the crisis. Understand that the battle is for the majority of the, the what they call the silent majority in, in, the, in the general population. So there's always the bulk of the population will always go with regular media. The status quo, the answers are given are enough to satisfy them and make them feel comfortable and cozy. Um, uh, they like to feel they're part of something. The image that's presented as their nation, their country, and all that kind of thing. So, um, rioters will, pre- will be presented really as the new terrorists, you see. And, uh, and that, that, that actually brings the silent majority closer to government for protection, and they're all for whatever measures uh, are necessary to subdue this, what appears to be riotous mobs um, in society. That's how it's going to be presented to the public, and uh, all the plans, I'm sure, have been tested and uh, put through computer simulations and God knows what else for the scenarios that are coming. But 2012 is a big year. They hope to have, they actually hope to have uh, the... the um, the U.S. and Latin America, uh, mainly uh, amalgamated. You understand, if you watch the European Union, you can become a member, but you don't have to be totally integrated. It's a step-by-step process. And they hope to have at least in the first part of integration with their peace and prosperity partnerships and all the rest of it, and then peace and security partnerships, etc. They hope to have it all done by 2012. So this might just, if they're on time, they'll manage to get the riot started because of the inflation. The people living on the, on the, the, the fixed lower incomes are the first to really, really uh, come out and protest it because they get hit first and, it's, and they can't uh, uh, compensate for it. There's no extra income. That's happened, of course, partly in Britain too uh, already. Uh, we see that. And they'll do the same in the States. It's a massive welfare system. There's a lot of people on fixed pensions across uh, the country, and they can't cope as the prices escalate. This is all done by design. You know. Absolutely. And now, now we have the NFL starting to pat down its fans. They started this at the Super Bowl, but it's a new ritual in this fascist system that to even get the bread and circuses now, first you submit to the security, and, and then you get the games, Alan. Yes, and, and to be honest with you, uh, I, I personally have to bypass... Uh, the mentality of the people who persist in, in going through it. Uh, if you have any dignity at all, um, you wouldn't even, even have subjected to the first pat down at airport. Just stop traveling. Simple as that. Uh, same thing with games, etc. If you have no personal dignity, then, then go ahead and be patted down and be part of the big herd. Um, uh, uh, this is a time when you have to decide as an individual where you stand on things and how far you're, you're going to allow uh, this incredible totalitarian system to go. 
Because believe you me, they won't stop there. They won't stop with pat-downs. You're going to get x-rays, you're going to get body cavity searches. Anything to humiliate you and teach you that you're nothing. You're nothing. I agree. This is about taking our lives back. Sorry to cut you off. We're coming up on the break, Alan. We're going to have plenty more time. Just after this, stay with us. We're just starting to get into it. I'm Aaron Dykes. Back in a moment. We're on the march. The Empire's on the run. Alex Jones and the GCN Radio Network. Okay, we are into the long segment now. I'm Aaron Dyke sitting in for Alex Jones. Again, he'll be back tomorrow. But right now, we're in with Alan Watt, who's done some of the deepest research I've seen on the bigger system they're bringing into place. Uh, so, Alan, we know they've set the stage for these economic riots. Obviously, all that's upon us. Uh, but the RAND Corporation also wrote mm, three years ago in 2008, lobbying the Pentagon to start a new war to save the U.S. economy. Uh, we know they've also set the stage for World War III. The whole Middle East is essentially in revolution. Uh, how are they going to transform that to achieve their larger goal Alan, and what do you see on the mm-hmm. on the immediate front? Well, it's so interesting too. This strange Rand Corporation, that's a non-profit organization, supposedly that every gun- country pays millions, if not sometimes billions, of dollars to for their forecasts, and they're a think tank supposedly. Uh, as part of the institution, they were on the go during the whole Cold War. They ran. Uh, the American society during the Cold War as part of game theory. You've probably studied that. Uh, and they used game theory that every citizen's personal profile uh, into the supercomputer in, in the Rand Corporation. And they worked for the entire length of the Cold War with the, the Pentagon, uh, basically dictating the, the lifestyle, the system, and the future for the whole of the U.S., so here they are at it again. They've never stopped, of course, because we're not really run by governments, you understand. We're, the government's there to, to put things into law, that's it, and pass on information to all their helpers. Um, but the Rand Corporation, all the big foundations and corporations are the parallel government. Maggie Thatcher called them, in fact, the parallel government. So did Carl Quigley. Uh, that's what they are. We're not run by democracy or even republicanism. We're run by private corporations, and we always really have been. So, um, and that, goes, that ties back in with Rockefeller with his comment on it's far preferable to have it run by bankers and intelligentsia than leaving uh, countries to their sovereign destinies, basically. So uh, we're, we're well on our way to, to this uh, what, Getting back, though, to the TS, the, the pat-downs at the, the arenas, You've got to remember how many things it fulfills in one go. Now, it's the only time that men today will try and bond with their, their, their sons is taking them to a ball game. And uh, because they're not men at home, they're not men at all, in fact, today. But uh, they, they still have this tribal instinct in passing on knowledge to your son, and this is what it is to be a man. So come and watch these guys bash each other on the field. And then he goes home, and he does what everyone else tells him to do when he's at home. But anyway, the son's getting brought up now. He'll get brought up getting taught that this is, this is normal, son. You go through all this humiliation, and then you get your reward of watching the game. And so that it's, it's going to help to train the next generation. This is here forever, this system, at least, for our lifetimes at least. This is here for an awful, awful long time. 
It's called perpetual war, constant conflict, they called it in the military magazine. And uh, this is what they, they have got planned for generations, is they bring this whole world into this new order of things. Uh, and it's a completely new way of living. It's uh, a system where you can't decide anything pretty well on your own as an individual. It's a whole new set of rules and how to live by. And um, and you're, you'll be taught eventually to serve the world state. That's to be the highest honor. They're already uh, pushing all of that across Europe big time. Uh, they call it communitarianism where the, the federal government is supposedly um, decentralizing its power down to the local level, and they already have these commissars from the private um, NGOs run by the foundations to be the leaders. And this is a new Soviet system, you understand, because this is how the Soviet system was supposed to be, uh, ruled by councils. So each little community, each trade each factory, each organization had its, its NGO speaker supposedly speaking on behalf of the public underneath them or that they represented, and that's called the Soviet. And this is to be a new Soviet uh, system, uh, an advanced Soviet system for the whole planet that we're going under. But, but just like the Soviet system was a big con because they say one thing and do the other, uh, banker, private banks flourished incredibly within the Soviet Union uh, for all their, their talk about uh, a central bank run by the state. Uh, the private banks could flourish as long as they did not make their money off, off the profit uh, or the profit off of labor. Uh, now, lawyers can run rings around that, and, and then they did from the beginning, and the Bolsheviks right through the Soviet system. And the same thing with this system that's coming in. And those who serve the system, the higher up the level that they go, uh, the, the greater the lifestyle they will live. So reward is a big, big part of it. But they do want a big mass at the bottom uh, to, to uh, live in poverty as we go through this, knowing we're, we're supposed to all die off according to the, the military magazines, the think tanks for the military of the U.S. and for Britain. They both came out with the same basic uh, projections up to the year 2040. They've done another one up to the year 2050. And they say there's going to be a drastic decline in population across the whole world, including the West, uh, from, from now basically up until 2050. So th- this is not meant to fool us forever. We, we're supposed to die off. Most people are not having children to start with, except immigrants. And, uh, and even the immigrants, of course, adapt the lifestyle very quickly. It's very enticing to be told as a child you can do anything you want. And, uh, and they go and do it and often kill themselves in the process through disease or various other means. But this is a, a long-term plan to reduce the populations. And, and even the world government is not the uh, end goal of it all. The, the military think tank said there will be a, a world government for a short time. And then the, the, the world will be consist of a few high-tech city-states, a few high-tech city-states, um, and countries will be gone, long forgotten, and even the regions that were under under the United Nations will be gone as well. So we're, this is all a stepping stone to the next stepping stone to the next stepping stone uh, until they have their wonderful utopia for themselves at the top. High-tech city-states, those who survive will be um, in the science industries, basically, high-tech sciences, and uh, the rest of the old laboring classes will be unnecessary. In the meantime, China will supply the labor and the manufacturer uh, to keep essential things going until they bring it all down. So you're looking literally uh, ahead for another 40 years, uh, step by step by step. What we're going through right now is just the chaos to get us to um, amalgamate the continents completely into the regions 
and then to allow a brief time for the United Nations, the World Bank, to take over the Bank for International Settlements and the IMF to run the economy and distribute the wealth of the world. This is, this is what they call it. It literally means rationing out food under the United Nations. They've already said this is in their charter. Eventually, the United Nations will be responsible for doling out the food to each region. And uh, it will be rationed. And if you can't, if you, you have too many people for the ration that you get, then you, you must find a way to bring down your population. That's in their charter. Yeah, and that's the food is a weapon that Kissinger is so famous for. But, of course, we know Bertrand Russell said the same thing. John P. Holdren, uh, along with his partner over there writing the same thing in Ecoscience. And, yeah, it's a, a hostage situation. Yeah, you see, economics, uh, money, is, is so you can, it's one of the biggest forms of warfare. You can wipe out a country so quickly by using economy and banking, very, very quickly. Uh, and, of course, uh, it's all private banking, so we have no say in the matter. That's why they keep it private. And, um, and also, um, in ancient times, they used economy as well. They would do embargoes. They wouldn't allow any trade coming into or out of a city, state. Uh, water. Uh, water is up for grabs. They want a, one company eventually to run the whole world's water supply. The United Nations already has a whole branch dedicated to that. And uh, same with your food. Your five agribusinesses have taken over the food supply of the entire planet. So this is all part of this global system of where they will distribute wealth. Also, um, power is a big one. In the 1930s, they first, a group first came out with this idea that uh, all labor and money anyway, anyway is is simply energy in one form or another. And so they came out with technocracy and they said that eventually they would also own all energy supplies. That's why uh, a company that runs your electricity, for instance, is amalgamating with the big boys, the global boys all the time, and they will ration your power, depending on the area or region you live in, or your social status. You won't need much if you're at the bottom. That's what they claim. And uh, and they won't, they won't lose money and profit off of it because they can ration, they can cut you by half consumption and charge you twice as much if they want to. And so they got all sewn up. And this is the problem uh, in the so-called uh, um, free trade type deal where big corporations are allowed to amalgamate and consolidate, monopolize, in other words, whole areas of everything you need for survival. You understand what we're talking about here is an overall war plan, a very old war. And like all wars, you must look at history, ancient history to the present, and use the same techniques and update them for the present circumstances. And and you cannot lose if you have a, a big, big club at the top, all bound together by uh, social status, uh, hereditary status, a lot of them, uh, financial status. And they, they're brought up in the best private schools and, and universities. They're all, they all join the same clubs as great-great-great-grandpa, and, uh, and these guys get together with the Council on Foreign Relations uh, and literally do their bit for, for, the, for the big overall agenda. Remember that the Royal Institute of International Affairs is the parent company of the CFR. They couldn't call it the Royal Institute of the American Affairs. It wouldn't have gone down well, so they called it the CFR. That's the American branch. They have a branch across the entire planet in every country now. They have a branch dedicated just for the European Union. Every top politician is a member of it. And they take their orders from the top. They must always get on board with consensus, regardless of the 
the party they, or, or, or the, the leanings they have. And quickly said that we take on communists, we take on socialists, we take on fascists, we take on dictators. They're all part of the same system, but they must all agree um, and, and come together, together to agree on after the big meetings to go along with consensus on specific areas. And that's what they do. Yeah. Obviously you said quite a bit there, but I want to go back to the way you were talking about them gaming the energy industry and gaming technology essentially is planning the buffet of options and then preparing the response ahead of time. So no matter what they choose, they're ready to go. And I know you've talked before about how they use the deregulation climate to move forward things, a uh, certain football field of steps, and then when they switch things back over. And I know across the world, as Keynesianism kind of lost its favor in certain areas, they brought in the kind of deregulated Margaret Thatcher, Reagan-looking thing, but they've been gaming both sides of it all along and centrally planning it. Yes, and actually, as I say, the, the politicians, I, I bypass, my personal opinion, I bypass all politicians because Quigley has been proven quite correct that every president, every prime minister in the major countries across the whole world uh, since the late 1880s has been a member of this organization that we now know as the CFR. Uh, Canada changed its, the name for their group recently because so many folk were talking about them. They simply changed the name of it. It's the same group. And uh, they're all Institute of International Affairs. It was started up, remember, by the most wealthy people of the period of the 1800s. And at first, of, of course, you had the Cecil Rhodes Foundation. And, and Cecil Rhodes was in partnership with Lord Rothschild to take over the world's wealth. He said that in his own diaries. Uh, to take over the mineral and gold and silver and water, all the resources of the world. That was the purpose of it. And then, then they, tra- they morphed into the Royal Institute of International Affairs when they joined with the Milner Group. The Milner Group, Lord Alfred Milner, who was from Germany, uh, um, he, uh, they, they, he would, they were comprised of bankers, the top, top bankers of the time, as international lenders, not just your local banks. And they, they joined with uh, the Rhodes Society to perform the Royal Institute of International Affairs. The scientific branch is a Royal Society. That's also part of it. So uh, the whole farce of giving the public democracy was just that. They were given royal charters to set up a parallel government, which they did. And uh, they, they plan the world in centuries. They plan the populations. It's always been a big problem with them. What, what do we do in a post-industrial um, society? Uh, with the populations. They don't believe in keeping pets around, like, you know, pet animals that used to be farm animals. They don't believe turning them into pets. So they're, they're economically minded. They're for sustainability and their own, their own survival. Sustainability means their survival at the expense of everyone else's. It's incredible. And yeah, of course, on the food, they've been using, just as Bertrand Russell wrote, diet and injections, the genetically modified food, the BPA and other chemicals they put into the food containers and the stuff they put in vaccines. How much is that going to contribute to the depopulation as much as the kind of overt tactics of of literal population management through food? It already has. I mean, we've been living through it since about the 50s, uh, starting with the polio vaccines and all the, the killer viruses that were in them, some of the cancer viruses, that's all they do is, is cause cancer. They knew that at the time, like the Simeon 40. Uh, that's all admitted it's out there. And uh, uh, and of course, they, they always put a cover on saying, well, we didn't think it would do that much harm, which is nonsense. Because at the end of World War II, um, you find that the King of England actually had a, a world meeting with the U.S. and other countries 
to decide to, to bring down the populations even further because the war hadn't killed off enough people. That's, a, that's, that's mainstream. You can find that in the history books. So uh, they went at it. They don't ask for volunteers. Who's going to volunteer for sterilization uh, to be dumbed down and to die early? Uh, it doesn't happen. So they go ahead with it. And you actually get uh, um, glimpses of that if you read Charles Galton Darwin's uh, book, The Next Million Years. He was a physicist, a Manhattan Project scientist. Um, and he came out with his book about the next million years of rulership. This is the kind of boast he was giving. But he said the elite must go on, the physically and more mentally superior must go on at the expense of all the rest. And then he came out with ways to dumb down the public. He said even one of the best ways to get rid of the aggression, the fighting aggression in the male, was to find ways of putting in estrogen and hormones into the food or the water or into inoculations or all three. Now, this is a top, a top world-renowned scientist who was at the pinnacle with all of the world meetings at the time on depopulation, coming out openly with the agenda. And we are living through it. The cancer rates skyrocketed from when I was young. And uh, interestingly enough, they just came out with an article from the World Health Organization saying now that they're opening up the, the, the Far East countries and the, and the lower economies, uh, the, the lower countries, uh, now that we're opening them up, there's going to be a, a huge explosion in those countries of cancers, just like that, just suddenly, you know, not telling you why. Uh, but, of course, they're going to introduce all of the food injections. The, the, the UNESCO comes in first with the World Health Organization and makes sure that they all get their injections first. That's prime because that's the one that targets the brain and drops the old IQ points a few, a few, you know, a few points down. This is a war. This is Nothing is by accident here. No, they really do just set the stage to unleash a certain amount of energy, build it up, and then they soak it back up economically and through our very livelihood. And, you know, we're just going to wake up with a demographic winter. No one can have children, and you pay for access to have the children you can have. Mm-hmm. And the cancer, it's disgusting, Alan. I know you know It's those, even worse than that because, you in. see, we know we'll what, be what back the with advice we know. We'll after this in the third hour. Stay tuned with InfoWars.com. I'm Aaron Dyke sitting in. Alan Watts still with us. Alan, I want to give you the floor for the remaining minutes, uh, but you mentioned the perpetual war, which, of course, in many ways comes out of Orwell's 1984, largely a critique of that sort of Fabian sect of socialism, that incremental slow socialism where you surround the population and herd them into these controlled areas. And so I know also... Meshing with that, Julian Huxley, the first head of UNESCO, really, he wrote in his own way about the clash of cultures, the synthesis that would come from kind of the West uh, clashing then with the Soviets. But isn't it the same today with the Middle East? And what do you see on the horizon for the Middle East? Well, they're the last few countries really existing uh, that have a different culture, a different system. They used to have no usury at all, which is a handy thing you have. But, uh, of course, everyone must be standardized into the one system, whether they like it or not. And if they don't like it, they simply get bombed into it. And then in comes UNESCO, the IMF, and all the World Bank, and the loans, and this this fake front called democracy. Because we've never had democracy. That's the truth of the, the whole matter. Uh, but I've got a good show of it, of course, because it keeps the public. See, if it didn't give you democracy and the chance to vote every four or five years, they know you'd have revolutions. That's why they created democracy, this, this front of democracy. That's the, the really intention behind it. 
and you, you don't vote in a new bunch thinking that they're going to be better. You, ho- you hope they're going to be better, but you, you're voting out the last bunch. You're so sick of them. And that's really what it's based upon is, is simply a safety valve and hope, lives in hope that's going to get better. But your life's experience should tell you that nothing, nothing's been getting better, regardless of who's in, it's always been getting worse because it's a plan, it's nothing to do with the, 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 the politics. As I say, they're there for, as a punch and judy show, you throw tomatoes at them. Uh, this is to do with a private organization running the world, run by very powerful, wealthy, uh, intelligent, uh, very old, Family to people, and uh, and this is a this is the world agenda. H. G. Wells wrote about this in the 1920s, right down to eventually killing off the, what those with inferior genes uh, simply by sterilizing them. He says it's the most, most humane way to do it. He says to sterilize the gene pools will die off that way, the inferior pools. And then you're left with the better types and, and the reduced population. That's what he said. And even talked about bringing in windmills uh, and, uh, of course, the rationing of power. 1920s, Fabian Society, another branch of the Royal of International Affairs. It's not the news headlines of the day that quickly grab your attention, but Alan really knows what he's talking about. If you read the literature for yourself, you'll begin to understand it too. And that's the only way we're ever going to get any of this back, because as he said, they have it planned, and they're prepared for the opposition, and they're ready to essentially iron us into uniformity. Alan, I want to thank you so much for joining us today. Your insights are very valuable.